0: This interview was about as raw as they come. Omid Eskbahi is one of my closest friends. I've known her for about 15 years. Our girls have gone to school together since they were in pre-K, and I always remember Omid being kind of sickly, not well. I never understood what was wrong with her. We only saw each other on campus. But a few years ago, as my condition worsened, we began to see more of each other. Omid has lupus. It has at times ravaged her. She came to my rescue. She hand-delivered my blood work to her doctor. She stepped in. At the end of this interview, she really got emotional. My friend, Omid Eskbahi.
1: Everybody has shit. It's a safe place where
0: we aren't afraid to talk about our shit. Only open-minded and honest talk. Kim Reed gets real about her autoimmune struggles and other health and wellness issues we all face on a day-to-day basis. So, my very dear friend, Omid Asbahi, um, I've known you for a very long time because of our daughters. Yes. They're both 20. and 19? 20? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, Morgan's yeah. 20. So, I met you when, how old were our girls? In kindergarten. Kindergarten. Okay, so it's been 15 years, 16, 17 years. And I have to tell you, my recollection of you through all the years, and I've, I've known you in the periphery, um, were that you were sick. There was always something wrong. I mean, you were moving funny. You were in pain. Mm-hmm. And I guess I, you may have told me it didn't resonate, resonate um, but you... Back then, we're suffering from autoimmune. What was it that you had? I had rheumatoid arthritis at that time. And so if you go back 17 years, you probably, before you were diagnosed, had all kinds of symptoms that were
1: plaguing you. Actually, not really. No? Um, Everything started when I had Noor, my daughter. Okay. um, And... I believe two weeks before I had her, everything got triggered. And I was not feeling good. I had a very hard delivery last two weeks. And I was doing just fine. I had no other problems. Of course, I had gained a lot of weight, which was like... like I couldn't believe that. But she was big, anyway. Yeah. After I had her, um, I thought that it was postpartum. I had gained like 48 pounds during the pregnancy. I lost 40 pounds in two weeks. Wow. And I didn't know what was going on. So then, and I couldn't eat. I couldn't breastfeed. I was depressed. I was. It was just really bad, and I was by myself. However, then I um, started eating a lot. So then a friend of mine who's a doctor came over, and I said, you know, I'm not feeling good. My hair is falling out, and this is what's going on. This is what happened. What do you think? And she was a, she's an endocrinologist and an in, um, internal medicine doctor that just became a doctor, graduated. And she was a very good friend from UCSD, and she told me her name is Roya Kohani. And she told me, she looked at me and said, you're thyroid. You have this big thyroid going on." And my neck was like this big, and I yeah. didn't even know it. Yeah. And um, I went to an endocrinologist. They said, you have Hashimoto's, It's which is the beginning. It's an autoimmune disorder, right. but it's the one of them, Right. mild. Um, however, then I started having pain in my hip. Then I had um, flare-ups. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a movement that I made. But for a year and a half, I went on with these flare-ups not knowing thinking because of the pregnancy all your joints move around everything is loosey-goosey and (laughs) um then you injure yourself not knowing and then i was working at ucs uh, cancer center and medical center and um so you had
0: the so after you had nor mm -hmm. you had a lot of thousand yeah right you had a lot of joint pain yeah and
1: the only problem i had I thought it was thyroid. Okay. And I had a lot of pain. I had no idea what it was.
0: And so what prompted you to go to a different doctor?
1: Oh, um, well, I was just seeing an endocrinologist at that time, but I remember the day that I was at the medical school at UCSD working in the contracts office. And um, I went down to open a filing cabinet, and I couldn't come back up again. I couldn't, I had to hold the table, sit in my seat, and just think what's going on. And I had this big pain in my right knee, and I felt like all of a sudden it was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So I said, what did I do? Did I hurt something? So at that time, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And um, I remember when the office was closed, and I had to go to the, and I didn't get up anymore. I tried not to get up, and I tried not to show anybody. But when I um, was trying to get to the parking lot, I couldn't. I went out the door limping and hunchback and in the middle of the parking lot, and it started raining, and I said, there's this kid walking by, and I asked him, you know, my car is parked over there, and I can't make it. Can you hold me and take me to the car? yeah. I came to the car, finally made it home, and I was waiting for um, my husband to come home. I don't say his name. And, um... <laughs> what
0: was that? You won't say his name?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he got home. He got home. I said, I can't walk, and he saw how yeah. it was. And um, we went to the emergency. at S- Scripps Urgent Care in Torrey Pines. Yeah. And... They didn't know what it was. They said, oh, it might be a meniscus, or it might be this. So you have to come back. They didn't. Finally, I, after four days of pain, I went back, did an MRI. My foot wasn't even fitting in the MRI machine for the leg yeah. thing that they were trying to do. And I was just not feeling good. And I went from one orthopedic to another orthopedic. Then they said, there's something in your knees, oncologist... They could not figure out what it was, and this was just getting worse, and I was in crutches for three months, and this is when Noor was- um, A newborn. No, she was 18 months old, yeah. or a little younger than yeah. that, and I, was, I remember starting children's school, walking in with crutches, and my um, caregiver for Noor, I couldn't do anything with her. I had to sit in the sidelines. So you were just, you were circling-
0: the right doctor, but you uh, he was there, but you were seeing every other doctor. They were trying to diagnose you for yes,
1: injuries
0: to your knees. And the funny
1: and thing was, when I went to the emergency room and I saw all these doctors and my internist at Scripps, nobody even took my temperature. And I had low-grade... I mean, I had fever the whole time, three months of going through this, until... Um, I remember, uh, my friend Sherry told me, no, Omid, I, I, I was going through something like this, but it wasn't, why don't you see, maybe this is, they can't figure it out. See a rheumatologist. I said, I don't have rheumato- rheum- rheumatology problems. It's yeah. for old people. And she said, no, but there are some other things that are happening, and my skin was all weird, and I went to this rheumatologist, he's really good, he'll tell you what to do, he'll figure it out for you. So then she re- referred me to Dr. Kaplan, which I'm still going to, mm-hmm. and um, he as soon it as out. I saw him, like Amen. what happened with you, I saw him. He kept me there for two hours. He figured it out. He knew exactly what was going on, but he was trying to do all the tests and gave me all the medicine. He drained my knee. He get, he put me on medication, prednisone, cortisone, shots, everything to start me. For, she said, you don't need to be on these crutches. So what what was your initial? A diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis. So but rheumatoid was trying to, arthritis. There are many different grades of it. Yeah. He was trying to do all the tests to make sure that... Um, to figure out which one, so you can give me the right medicine. At that time, the medicines were gold, methotrexate, which is a drug they use for cancer, and a lot of different uh, immunosuppressants suppressants that they use for um, uh, different diseases, like uh, if you have malaria, or if you have diabetes, or if you have anything to reduce inflammation, At that time, everybody used to take uh, um, anti-inflammatories like Advil, ibuprofen. Right. And those were making it worse. Those were not that stuff that was working. your initial diagnosis
0: was... Rheumatoid arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. And so that's why my memory of you was like hobbling around, trying to get around and and just like being kind of feeble. Yes. And, I mean, so here we are 17 years later, and you're the one who uh, got involved with me and tried to help me figure out what's wrong with me. But as so as the years went by with your rheumatoid arthritis,
1: you developed lupus. Yes. Um, And while I was with Dr. Kaplan and these new drugs were, the drugs Worked and it didn't work. There was a whole cocktail they had to move around. I had to change drugs all the time. And there's always something going on. Every yeah. time I did a blood test, something was off. So
0: when you have an autoimmune, it's really important that you are constantly in touch with your doctor. doctor.
1: However, what I learned during this time, which every time something was wrong, for example, if I had an excruciating headache. I thought it was because I didn't sleep well. I never thought it had to do with this. Yeah. And every time I went to see him and if I told him what was going on or I said, "Oh, I call, I have a headache, should I take Tylenol?" He said, "No. Have you ha- or he would call me with a test result right. and say, "Have you been having headaches?" I said, "Yes. How come you don't tell me?" And I said, "Well, I thought it's just a headache." He said, "Well, no, you're you're anemic to a point of
0: passing you know, out, passing
1: out yeah. and you need to come in right away we need to do this 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 so it's always it was, it was always putting yeah trying to put manage fire, it. a water on fire yeah. yes and i didn't know that i have learned yes as i have tried to tell you that anything that goes wrong especially with people that have autoimmune don't think of it as a trivial matter Because our bodies don't respond the same. You have to think that there's something wrong and have it checked out. Because most of the time it might not be anything, but trust me, half the time it is. So let me tell you that
0: um, two years, I think, into my undiagnosed condition, um, and I was at my wits end. I mean, I was literally in so much pain. And I just didn't know where to turn with all of my misdiagnosis along mm-hmm. the way. So somehow I, had, I knew what was going on with you. Autoimmune in my head, it never even occurred to me. You got my blood work because I had been diagnosed, misdiagnosed with, with Lyme disease. With fibromyalgia.
1: Fibromyalgia,
0: with all these I was diagnosed things. with that too, yes. So you took my blood work... After hours, you drove it to your doctor, and you got me in there, and you had him read my blood work and my strange symptoms, which we thought were one thing, but it ended up not being that, but it all i all I see it as just the beginning of me trying to figure it out I mean That's it nice. doesn't have to be the end it it's, it's a beginning, and so I mean, I really value that because that was a really important point in my illness, in Mm -hmm. in the years of my illness. And that's why I think speaking to one another and putting it out there is very, very important. Mm -hmm. We have to share our knowledge with each other. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I have a ton of knowledge, but I have more than I did four years ago Mm -hmm. on this journey. So for that, you know, where I am today, you started... That process. Mm-hmm. You started that path of, I'm jumping in, I'm gonna take the bull by the horn, and I'm gonna help her because she, I can see that she is giving up.
1: Yes, because when you don't know what it is and the doctors cannot figure it out, um, it's very frustrating and depressing. Oh, it's... For me, it was so new that I remember when I was diagnosed, and of course, when you're diagnosed with autoimmune, they tell you there is no cure. Right. Um, however, they have come a long way. I was the first one that got one of the first um, uh, biologics and what um, is that? Biologics are infusions that you get that um, tells your body, your immune system not to think the way it's thinking and attack good tissue. It tries to divert. It and trick it not to do what it's doing. And you keep telling it by um, these infusions that you get.
0: So you get infusions how
1: often? Um, when I first was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, um, two, two and a half years into, my, two years into my diagnosis, after they figured out exactly what they could target and this new drug had come out with John, from Johnson & Johnson... Uh, they started giving that to me. I was one of the first groups of people after clinical trials that got this, and it worked. How, the, how often the, did you get it? Once a month for three hours. Holy cow. And That's um, a commitment.
0: Yes. But you and, immediately felt better because of it.
1: Yeah, after the third infusion I did. Um, but off and on, I was getting um, flare-ups. Yeah, And the flare-ups were... Uh, I've had nine surgeries since I've been diagnosed with RA and then, of course, later on with lupus. And they jump. This disease jumps from one um, autoimmune to another. It changes. It's like a um, chameleon. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I don't know which one is worse, which one is better, but right now I think I'm good. Right, you know? so you're good today. Today I'm good, yes. I mean, that's how you have oh, to look at it. Yes. Every day that you're
0: good, it's a blessing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I stop myself when I'm thinking, I feel really good right now. You know, knock because, on wood. Yeah, you knock <laughs> on wood because you almost don't even want to have that thought. You just want to live like you used to live.
1: I know. Without
0: that thought. And then when you think it, you're like, crap, I just jinxed myself. Exactly. And, that's what can, you have knock on wood. Because it can change, like... In, in, a, a in a heartbeat. Yeah. Like right now I'm on my, going on my third week of. Being good. No, of of a flare up. Oh. And it's been, it started out mild, creeping, creeping. And then it's kind of, it's not as bad as it, the flare ups that I've had, but I have it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm worried about my hair and, you yeah. know, all the things we that go along it, yeah. with a flare up. You know, it, it's the hair, you look in the mirror, you look like hell. Then you feel worse because your hair is falling out. Yeah,
1: because it's all, it's a, it's a non- terrible, terrible cycle. cycle, yeah.
0: Yeah, and you lost your hair, so you could empathize. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yes. Anybody
0: who's lost their hair, it's its just the worst. It is. It honestly
1: is the worst. i It, it can be just... For a woman, ugh. it is. I'm sure for men, too, but yeah. for women, it's, it's just yeah, terrible, you know. It's awful. It's, it's a mental pain. It is. Actually. It
0: is. Because you, uh, you don't think you're vain until you like, like, holy shit, where no, are my bangs? No, but you don't
1: recognize. It's just, it's something about yourself that you don't recognize.
0: I know. And that's what it is. And so some of the products that I've used, like Viviscal, while it doesn't stop the hair from falling out, nothing does, um, it takes the hair that you have, and it makes it good. I mean, because I, I want to share the things that, mm-hmm. that I feel have worked for me, especially when it comes to hair. And then the minoxidil. Mm-hmm. So you, you just get the brand that's in the store, in the shampoo aisle, that's generic, and apply that. It works great for mm-hmm. regrowth. It doesn't stop a flare-up. It doesn't stop the falling happens. Yeah. No. But, but the regrowth will happen. But the regrowth but happens.
1: regrowth will happen anyway. I know. Oh, so. I, but you can't wait. I, I get, know. Well, I it's know. not that. It's that you don't...
0: I don't trust that that yeah. process is going to happen.
1: Yeah, I know. Because your process has just started four years ago. Mine has been going on up and down for the last 20 years. and 20 exactly, to be I exact. Mean, that long ago...
0: I, nobody they heard know. of autoimmune,
1: and that's why I never talked about it. Because if I did, uh, no, they didn't. People like, didn't know, no. and then I had to explain. This is when your this is when your immune system attacks your own body. That's the only way I could explain it. I couldn't even say autoimmune disorder. That was not no. on the books. Auto, there are at least eighteen different autoimmune disorders. Crohn's disease. MS, lupus, RA, Sjogren's,
0: scleroderma. Uh,
1: scleroderma. S- I mean, there is. Um, I, I forgot There's there, more, there's but I'm so, just there's so many. There's so many different names, and which is why I have my spray. Um, what's
0: that? It's not. It's not for fresh breath. It's for dry mouth because Sjogren's. Yeah. Well, there's a thought that I have Sjogren's, so part of the dry eyes, dry mouth. I mean, dry mouth, like you can't even imagine. So I carry this handy-dandy mm-hmm. little spray thing so that's that I great. can, that's so I can swallow. Oh, that's it's, good. Yeah, I mean, there's all these crazy symptoms, but 20 years ago, it's like, what are you talking about, mm-hmm. autoimmune? So I can imagine it was dismissed.
1: But- yes, and I mean, it was dismissed, And but my doctor was amazing. He's still amazing, and everyone that I've sent to him, they all they're, they're they're so happy because they've been diagnosed, there's something that they're able to do about yeah, it. Yeah. And there's so many new drugs. There's nothing at that time when I imuran, Remicate, Benlista, Humira, um, Arengia. there's so many different drugs targeting different um autoimmune disorders. And um of course they have their own problems and um, you're immune suppressed so you're prone to getting you have to be careful not to be in a public place once you get your injection or infusion you have to make sure that um, you don't get sick around anyone because you are compromised right and just like chemotherapy patients yeah of course they're they have to be way more careful but um, it's the same thought process and So let me ask you what because
0: from the doctors that i've spoken to they all say no to this what do you think the food correlation is do you think that there is anything in the diet that can trigger or that can attribute itself to any of these autoimmunes
1: um i think so i think that is absolutely correct uh, that food Attributes to it bad food, fried food, you know, if you're not mindful of what you're eating and putting in your body. Um, and everybody rea- every body reacts differently to different things you put in them, depending on your ethnicity, where you come from, what you're used to, the environment you live in. That said, one doctor who is a, a dermatologist, Dr. Scheinberg, he, once I was diagnosed with lupus afterwards, Um, because my lupus, I believe, was induced by the um, drugs that I was taking for rheumatoid arthritis, Remicade, and I always tell them it's drug-induced because your body changes to to get away from that drug, and it's a chameleon, so it changed to another disease because it didn't like the fact that it was being told what to do. So he told me, the reason that autoimmune is so prevalent is because our society has um, gotten rid of all the germs that are the natural germs and by with antibiotics that your body needs to protect itself and creates its, the, the proper immune response. And they have done studies in Switzerland that they've kept a group that... Does not get the same sanitation, and um, because of that they don't have they don 't have any of the markers that a lot of the people in the western world and have mm. and I, and I cannot tell you that this disease is not prevalent in the third world i i don 't know that I've... I live here, and i don 't know exactly, but these are the studies that they 're doing yeah. to, to figure out. Why are bodies in this, this thought of you're killing bacteria, but you're killing other things? Right. You're, show, you're teaching. That's why we're becoming also um, uh, resistant to the antibiotics. Yeah. Because your body learns right away and, try, and is trying to uh, adapt. So you and I need to go get dirty. We
0: need to go get no, in the but, dirt.
1: No, no, but it has to be done very slowly because <laughs> yeah. we're going to get sick
0: first. So, <laughs> But I read something very similar to that that's interesting because you've never told me that. Oh, yeah. That uh, um, third world countries, that
1: autoimmune isn't a problem. It is a problem. But not... But what it's what not it, recognized yeah. also. Um, and it's not as prevalent, maybe because it's not recognized... Uh, because the third world, in the cities, they have yeah. the same concepts. Yeah. Antibiotics, antibiotics, you
0: know, all that. It, but it, where that lifestyle, where people are removed from that lifestyle, it's not as prevalent. I have read that.
1: Okay, then. But, but, then that is that study they that, did in yeah. Switzerland with these kids, with their pillows even. They were telling me that they've, they had infused them with the natural bacterias. None of them got sick. I mean, I mean, it, it was a long, s- long. Um, we were so studies. paranoid.
0: We got all the antibacterial soaps and all that stuff. You don't need that. You
1: just need yeah, soap. Yeah, but when you walk into those hospitals and doctors' offices, yeah.
0: But I'm, not, I'm talking about just
1: in everyday in general, life and yeah, living. Exactly.
0: We've eliminated all the good stuff because yeah. it, it seems to me that a lot of the things that we get have to be mm-hmm. um, environmentally caused. Yes, you know our diets clean. Um, clean eating, clean living. I mean, there's something I mean, to be said about that.
1: Going outside and inhaling all the s- smoke and the gas and the the, em- the carbon emissions. I mean, that, that's not good for us.
0: No, I know, <laughs> I know. So, what's the answer? I think we need to. So, we
1: the need answer to share. is that the drug companies are making a lot of money. I know. By trying to find the environment is creating this and the drug companies are making money by giving us stuff that's not going to cure us. No. Oh, (laughs) boy. It's just going to keep us this way.
0: Oh, boy. I want that pill. uh, I want that pill that's just going to take me out of my pain and cure me, and that's why I've been gobbling them up and I'm trying to ease myself slowly off of mm -hmm. them. Because you do want somebody to say, you have this, take this, see you later.
1: That's the concept. It's not going to happen, though. I've been told that even if I'm in remission, which I was for two and a half years, right before this August, which you were with me in the hospital, right. um, that I always have to take these drugs until the end. Oh, it, it's so it might change a little bit yeah. here and there, but... Yeah. But in, and so, Even if you're in a remission. Right. Oh,
0: yeah. I know, because you don't want to risk getting off everything, and then, boom, you've got a huge flare-up. And flare I've, up.
1: I've done that before. Yeah. I've done what you I've gone cold. I've tested this whole thing because I hate taking these medications, the way they make me feel afterwards. And I've done that, not telling my doctor, and then I would have flare-ups. i go back, and when he, he would tell me, I, why did you do this? And mm-hmm. now we have to start from the beginning. Now we have to give you more medication.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm trying to taper off a few.
1: I know. I but am. be careful.
0: No, I'm like I'm we we're we're going slow and steady. So in the middle of a flare up we don't adjust to anything. We keep it status quo. Okay, good. We don't good. make any any changes at all. Um but I think it's I guess there's a, a part of me, maybe it's just my personality or maybe it's just me wanting to help, is that I want to take whatever little bits of information that I have that could possibly help somebody. Yes. Um I and, and it might be just a little tidbit, but I think that when you have a mystery illness and you don't know what's going on and then you figure it out and then you're overwhelmed with all of the information and the drugs, and if somebody gives you something, some
1: little piece of information,
0: I think that's important.
1: Yes. The most important thing is to find out what you have right away. But sometimes it's not you gonna can't. happen. Yes.
0: Sometimes you can't find that out like me i have i'm I've, i'm not going to f I've given up on finding out what's wrong with me and and I'm okay with that, but I'm okay with that because nobody has the answers. I've been to so many doctors they don't have the answer, and you get tired of the testing and um you're exhausted and bottom line is it's not going to
1: change the course it's a part time job though I know it is going to the doctors doing the tests making sure the reason i'm telling you this i don't know in your case but in my case if i don't one of my organs or a joint is going to get destroyed i've had i've been at the brink of different distro... you know you've seen me in st- i i am sure you remember some yeah. of my surgery my arm my neck you bruise easily. my my yeah and i bruise easily because i don't the way um I don't know why that is. I think it has to do with my bone marrow. Something is not getting taken care of there and it's weak um, for some reason. But um, I've had to fix them all. And sometimes it's destroying it without you even knowing it until it's destroyed you know I know um, I, know. I um, so it's like a constant maintenance like a car change this part change that part it is but I <laughs> no
0: I agree I agree with that and I know that I would never stop anything cold but I want to be able to just lay it all out there mm-hmm. I'm at a point in my life where Nothing is going to embarrass me. No, I mean, like four years ago, I didn't tell anybody that I was losing my hair. Now, I don't care. I'll bring my wigs out. I'll show you. This was a really low point. But I want it out there. I want to just lay it out there. I want to gather as much information from as many people in life and put it out there. And I want it to stick with that person over there, with that person there, with the weed blower out there. I want it to stick. Mm -hmm. because I think that's what we need to do as human beings is help each other. Um, John Browner, who is my genius here, who is running all of the technical stuff, was telling me a story about a gentleman and his wife is completely, has autoimmune, completely immobile. They can't figure out what's wrong with her. She can't function. Immediately, I want to jump in. I want to, be like, I want to talk to her. I want to see what she's doing. Mm-hmm. I want to see if I can help. And I think that's the yes. point of using our voices yes. is throwing, you sharing the type of information that you have with your 20-year journey.
1: 20 years. Yes, and I have helped. I mean, I've, I've guided many people. Um, and and that's important from school actually. Yeah, a lot of them and or friends of friends because one time somebody asked me if if when I was in crutches or I had that neck thing or I had my hands were in you know covered with band aid or whatever what happened I would tell them and oh and then they would call me who's your doctor who's go-? I mean every couple weeks I'm getting something but, someone. Uh, uh, and, and I can nowadays, talk to them.
0: yes, it's almost any time you open up your mouth. Like I'm going to kill your weed blower. Yeah. <laughs> right I know. Can I? No, it's okay. But he's hit the same spot about ten times. He's oh, very really? good. <laughs> yeah. But nowadays, every time you open your mouth, honestly, somebody has autoimmune. Yes. Every single time. My husband's in bed last night. He's reading me a story about his lineman. He played football in college. His lineman put a post on Facebook so that people would stop judging him and saying that he's lazy, that he doesn't do this, that he doesn't do that, because he has autoimmune. His big, giant lineman has autoimmune. He can't function, and he wanted everybody just to know that. I'm like, and Ben's looking at me like, oh, my God.
1: Because the more people know, the more they're going to be mindful of what's going on with them. Yeah. I remember when we did the pedal um, event and you did the biking and you were passed out after that in the tent. So this is In a- front of everyone. You couldn't even help it. There are all these people, thousands of people it's around a
0: 25-mile um, biking event for cancer here in San Diego. And so I'd done it. I did the 25 miles, yes. and I ride once a year, and that's for this event. I don't even own a bike. <laughs> and so I know I was yes,
1: out. I was out. And now, I mean, I look at some of the things that I, when I ran into you before, and, um, and I, I, I see what was going on with you and yeah. why that happened to you and yeah. where were you. And no, I know. You came to my house. Mm-hmm.
0: When I was in a really bad oh, space, yes. I wasn't talking to anybody. I wasn't returning phone was calls. Last year, I yeah. wasn't leaving my house. And you just showed up because I was like, oh my God, I can't live with this. <laughs> I can't keep going. No, you
1: were not in a, you were no. really bad.
0: But it's the friendship. So thank mm-hmm. you for your friendship. And sharing, because I think this is the beginning of trying to get it out there and help as many people as we can. Exactly. At least give them a voice. And talking does seem to help. It's, at least allowed me the yes. time that we've been here to forget about my symptoms, which are crawling up my back <laughs> and consuming me. But, you know, if you can do things to distract yourself, just to keep living. If you're keep able moving. to keep moving, get the, keep, keep the blood flowing, Yes, walk. Just keep living, I mean, and sharing everything, yes. all the knowledge that we have gathered mm-hmm. and spitting it out there and hoping that it sticks yeah, with as so many people as it can. I think especially that's Especially your
1: family, because, you know, when they see you like that and they don't know what's going on, they, yeah, my daughter grew up with me always being sick in the you know, hospital that's... and this and, that, and but now she, I mean, she understands. Yeah, of course. But the thing is, she thinks that I am very fragile. So she's extra careful around me. Yeah. Mom, let me pick this up. Mom, how are you feeling? Oh, don't do this. Don't come biking with us. Don't come hiking with us. I said, no, I'm not going to let this disease dictate what I can and what I cannot do. Mm-hmm. Because you live for that moment. Right. Because the next day, you don't know if it's going to be there. I know. It could and, be you know, could be shit. Exactly. Oh, Speaking
0: of which, did I tell you that what we've decided to name this podcast? No. Everybody has shit. Yes
1: they do everybody
0: has shit I like that okay good thank you thanks for being my friend <laughs> thank you and helping life. me through this thank you and just being a part of every step of it thank and you. guiding me I mean that's what friends are no, for I, it's, it's it's like doing the unfathomable delivering my blood work just taking I've, I've never heard of such a thing so thank you Omi. Oh, I love you <laughs> I love you too <laughs> and that's a wrap all right que tiempo how was it
1: that seems to be our longest our
0: mark really that seems to be right where
1: oh okay yeah so did you ask all your questions I don't even know oh my god it was just like so so what I
0: do is I my process is I have to type everything out where I think my head is gonna go I type it out I have it I read it and if it comes out, fine. I, you have to just have a conversation. You can't be like, okay, so what did this? You can't, it, that's not the way I do it. So, but generally, it's in, it's in my head. When I go through my process, then the format is already in my head. So.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure I do. everything. You know, um, there's one thing that I, re- I, so you know, this is for you, uh, not, not for this podcast, right? I remember when I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and then I was learning about all the other ones and I'm like, <gasps> Oh my God, thank you, God, I don't have lupus. This was for three, four years, that's what I was saying. Yeah. I'd rather have this than lupus because this is what happens, and you don't see that, and I see it. I'm not going to see it anymore, thank God. What I'm trying to say is that every time I was in that infusion room, I would thank my lucky stars. I saw people that didn't even have joints anymore it was eaten away and it was skin hanging over here just skin with a nail on top of it can you believe it no it was so gross oh my god and then i would see i mean lupus everyone was red and stuff all over and i was like oh my god i can't i can't have lupus i can't you know never you know i was like always so scared of the next thing and if, I mean, I do have it. And the other thing is, I, was, I think my doctor likes me so much, and I was the youngest one in that room. Yeah. All the, I was the youngest patient that took on all these drugs. I was his, like, and I was, and my attitude was always good. I wasn't using it to, um, what do you call it, to feel sorry for myself. At the beginning, I was depressed. I thought, I'm not going to see her grow up. And I was buying all the clothes that she needs for, like, years to come. And this was my yeah. friend. When I got diagnosed that day and I was hobbling down downtown doing that, crying and going into those stores. But now it's... I remember that Ugh. so bad. Because yeah. they said there was nothing there.
0: Unbelievable. So this is going to help everyone. So you really am. I know. I plan. And now you're here. And And I didn't have support like you have. And that's big. That's important.
1: Yeah, that's another thing. You have to talk to another patient about support. It takes two to beat these things. It takes two to beat cancer. Look at Bill and Amy. It takes two to beat this. I know. You
0: know what, though? You are so strong, Omid. You are and it's a shame that you haven't had somebody by your side ever um, to go and be and participate with this
1: because... My first surgery, a friend of mine took me when I was um, got really sick at one infusion and I couldn't drive home. My nurse brought me home. He never, I don't, never came to any of my infusions. But my never came.
0: Oh, I don't understand that. I can't okay. I, I it just it it baffles me. That neither they one they think of them I'm
1: I'm superwoman. They think that I don't suffer, I don't have pain, because I don't talk about it.
0: I don't understand that.
1: You know, I've been coughing for a year and you know what I have to worry about at night? That I don't wake him up, so I have to go to another room. Right. I can't figure it out. So, and the more drugs they gave me, it gets, I mean, you know how it It turns off the rest of the system. (laughs) Yeah, it just makes you sick in other ways. But But I've never
0: understood, so Ollie Dodd's out of the picture, but I've never understood how you can be with somebody who's sick and not really truly be there. And by really truly being there, you're integrated into their wellness plan, which means their, your wellness plan is having infusions mm-hmm. and to not participate to, in that.
1: To, to get my, to get um, surgeries and to, you know, unexpected ones or this, or someone that could sit there and say, no, don't have surgery or on Or somebody her. there to at least hear
0: what a doctor is saying because
1: it's overwhelming because
0: you've been to my appointments And all of my friends have been to appointments and taken notes because you can't digest what is being said to you.
1: I I know, but I didn't have anybody ever, so.
0: Well, you aren't Wonder Woman. (laughs) You are in in many ways, but the true definition is to have the support, Hmm. and that's something that I know that you've been missing in terms of a partner, but... You know. I love your the fact that support,
1: Ben, so. the way he he worries about you, the way it, if I see it affects him. You I know. Noor's um, been my support. I mean, just trying to help me out so I don't have to do like you know, I know. pick up things, suitcases when we travel. You know. I know. And she's and little. Important.
0: I know, but she cares about you, and she knows exactly what it takes for you to be good and healthy. Mm. She knows that. It's innately a part of her because she grew up with you, Mm -hmm. so she knows. But the unfortunate side is the other side. And I know that makes you sad, but I think that you have to just look at what you've created with your daughter and how she is and be really proud of that. And at some point in your life, you will have the other. It's just you don't have it now, but you will. I know that.
1: Cheers. With Iranian tea. <laughs> it's cold. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, you know what? I never thought about... It. I don't think about it. I know. I don't think about... And I always tell my friends, go see the doctor. Do your mammogram. Do the... You know what else I do? That um, I go to my gynecologist, and I tell him to write down all the tests for tumor markers because we're more prone with these drugs... To cancer. That's another thing that you have to ask someone. No, you know, another podcast. You have to let them know. Yeah. So you have to. That's the reason my doctors all, whenever I say, write this down for me, they don't even think. They just do it because they know I'm in tune with what's going on now after all these years I've learned, you know. So I do that all the time. do my tumor markers and... For ovarian cancer, for breast cancer, for lymphoma, you know, it's a whole gamut of the insurance company might not pay for it, but, you know, once once they find out you have this disease, they do.
0: Yeah. Um, well, but you've gotten smart. You're already smart, though gotten smart in advocating and mm-hmm. knowing and not just allowing. So I tell my to girlfriend,
1: I tell Sherry, you don't have to say you don't have time to go get your mammogram. You don't have time to go get your ovaries. You know, I said, she didn't, and then something came up and then she had to take everything out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I should, This morning, I just gave Dr. Kaplan's number to AFSI because she said, I can't get up anymore. I'm in so much pain. And I've been told to AFSI, you Hers is osteoarthritis I know it because yeah. I can I know where it is yeah. how it happens and all that and her symptoms I watch her um, I have anyway. a new symptom what? my
0: heels it's so weird I get out of bed
1: oh yeah that's my that's that's, that's autoimmune
0: it is mm-hmm. My heels feel like the skin like there's not enough skin like they're gonna explode and rip open that's what? autoimmune
1: but when you have pain here and it, when you bend here and it hurts, that's osteoarthritis.